and welcome to Transformational Insights Demystified Podcast. I'm your host, Fumilola Asa, a system thinker and a transformational insights translator. On this podcast, I share transformational insights in practical ways that enables you to make the step change towards becoming better versions of yourself and acing your personal development, relationship, spiritual, and business goals. So, let's talk about your life as a system. Are you able to recognize the various dimensions of your life? Are you able to understand the critical connections and interactions between the various dimensions of your life that affects the trajectory and behavior of your life over time? Do you understand your context? Are you able to make informed trade-off decisions when it comes to different aspects of your life? I address these questions and many others in this episode that's titled The Life System Demystified Practical System Thinking Applied to Life. Are you excited? Let's dive in. So, while originally recorded as a single episode, it turns out that this episode is packed with transformational, insightful nuggets. And so I've decided to split it into two so that you can soak in on part one and then dive into part two of this awesome, awesome episode. So I present to you part one. Okay, so let's get right into it. I am excited to be speaking on this episode about applying system thinking to life. So let me ask you, have you ever felt overwhelmed by the various dimensions of life that you need to manage? Your relationship, your career, your impact goals amongst others. Or you're considering a revamp in a certain aspect. You want to change your career trajectory or you feel like there's work to be done in your relationship. Or sometimes you see certain things happening in your life as a result of certain interactions of seemingly unrelated decisions that culminate into a pattern. This suggests that life is indeed a complex system. One that is made up of multiple parts that are interacting in a way that it then defines the overall behavior of that bigger system, which cannot really be explained away by looking at just each individual part separately. So how then do we navigate these complexities to ensure that we're able to make the best decisions that are optimum for the near term, the mid term and the long term? So system thinking is a concept that allows us to manage complex systems, whether it's, you know, technical, complex machines or these complex socio-technical relationships by breaking them into manageable sizes while keeping sight of the whole. Sounds somewhat complicated. We will be talking about that in detail in this episode. You know, what it does is that it focuses on the behaviors that define such a system driven by those specific interactions within the system and between the system and its environment. Very recently, I just completed a blog series on my website, www.fumilolaasa.com. And on this, in that series, I was looking at practical system thinking principles. And I touch on 10 principles 
in four parts. And I think that is very important because I believe that the world needs a growing community of system thinkers because more and more things are getting interrelated and interconnected. Now in my blog, I had used examples from business, life, you know, personal relationships, amongst others. But in this podcast, I zoom in and look at the 10 principles that I shared in the blog. Now, I'll be talking to them in four parts in this blog so that you can, at each at the end of each part, be able to say, what are the actionable steps that this set of principles have taught me and what can I do with those steps? Now, there are 10 key principles that I've highlighted over time from my learnings and exploration in the system thinking space. And so in the four parts that I'll be talking to, I'll take the first three principles, then follow it by another two, and then, and then followed by the following two, and then lastly, the last three principles, making 10 principles, kind of following with the format that I followed in the blog. So let's start with the principle. So principle one, I'll read the principle and then try to explain it, you know, with practical life dimensions. And so principle one talks about the system as a synergy of subsystems. And so the unique characteristics of a system is the behavior that is enabled by the interactions between its constituent parts or subsystems that creates emergent properties such as the value and or interface issues, which must be identified and managed in designing such a system. Okay, so for me, what does this mean when we talk about life? Something can only be called a system when you bring more than one thing together and the interaction that happens as a result of that coming together creates this new whole in such a way that even if you broke it back into the separate constituents, you still cannot analyze 100% all the characteristics of this new system. So as a result of the interaction between those parts, you have created a new entity of its own, which is larger than the individual addition of the parts that make up that system. So think about your life system. There's your career. There are decisions you make in your career. There's health decisions. There's, um, you know, family relationship decisions. But we all know that when we look at individuals around us, look at ourselves, look at our friends and our family, we realize that people have certain unique characteristics that have compounded or grown as a result of some things that they've experienced in their relationships or some decisions in their financials or, you know, just... um, general physical well-being that makes them, you know, go through life in a certain pattern that is different from somebody else because those dimensions are creating this new hole in your life. And so it's important that you're able to understand and analyze these complex interrelationships if you must manage this system called life. And so as I thought about that, one equation that comes to me, and I'm, I'm a scientist or engineer by background, and so I like equations. And so in system language, you can say that one plus one is equal to two plus ix. And so once you bring two parts together, there's something extra that is either added on or taken away by that interaction. And that is as a result of the factors such as, you know, the interaction, which is my eye, how many times these parts are coming together. And the X, which is the context, the multiplier effect that is driven by the context. So think about it. 
the way in which people who have been raised in certain be- environments behave is different from those raised in other environments. And so that's a systemic concept. And so they might have the same education, have the same kind of relationship patterns, but they'll still think differently because of the broader umbrella, which is the context that is driving that behavior. And so the question will be, you know, what are the connections between your life dimensions? Do you even recognize them? Are you conscious and intentional about looking at things like your spiritual life? You know, your whole being, your relationship, your physical and wellness, you know, your emotions, your financials, your impact on your career. Let's take, for instance, your physical wellness. You do know that when you show up at work on a day that you're top-notch physically, it has direct productivity impacts on your work. Guess what? It also affects your relationship. If you're not in the good state of mind, then you're snapping in your relationship and then your family, your children or your partners are wondering what's happening with you and then they respond to the behavior that you have provided and then it's pretty much a snowball effect from that point on. So it's important that you understand what those interactions are and how you can manage them. That's principle one. So let's go to principle two. Principle two says addressing key stakeholder needs effectively is the basis of good system architecture. And so a good system design in terms of the structure of that system, the behavior and the views of the system must roll up into a concept that explicitly and implicitly address the needs of key stakeholders. Otherwise, it might be answering a question that has not been asked. And so I, I wrote a blog post about your stakeholders, understanding and recognizing who your stakeholders are. And because that's important, because how your stakeholders define value is important. So when you think about your relationship dimension, your spouse, your fiance, your girlfriend or boyfriend, your children, your parents are stakeholders and they have needs, they have expectations. Your boss, for example, in the office, your manager, your employer is a stakeholder when you think about that dimension of your life. You know, in terms of your spiritual, the creator who made you has expectations for you. And so there's a way in which the creator defines value. Now, given all these multiple stakeholders, that means that from time to time, there are going to be trade-offs required. And so it's important that you understand the expectations of all the stakeholders when making those decisions. Granted, you cannot know all of those expectations all the time, but the more of those expectations you know, the better for you. And that's why we're told that self-exploration is a very important leaping point for those who are able to ace their goals in life. And part of that exploration is understanding as a spiritual being, what does value mean to my key stakeholder? In terms of my health, What does value mean to me as a stakeholder? Because sometimes we think about so many other people apart from ourselves. And so the question when you think about your life is, who are your stakeholders? How do they measure value? What does value mean to you as an individual in the grand scheme of things? How can you optimize the decisions in your life and trade off with a better understanding of your stakeholders? As you make those decisions in your career, thinking about your family, Or as you make those health choices, thinking about what that means for your impact goals. 
Think, for example, of vision boarding. Very recently, I've been, you know, in the, like last year, this year, I've been working on vision boards. And I find that because the vision board highlights multiple dimensions of my life, as I start to chase one dimension, I take a pause and think about it and say, how is this affecting these other goals that I've set in other dimensions of my life, such as my relationship, for example. So no matter how busy I am, I am consciously remembering that I have to spend time with my family. So I would offer vision boarding as an option for you to think about putting your goals in front of you when it comes to understanding and trading off what your stakeholder needs are. Now, on to principle three, and we're moving along very quickly. Principle three talks about solution neutrality. It's a very, very powerful concept, and it's considered the first step for a robust system design. So do you want a, a system, a life system that is robust for a range of scenarios? Then you must start by designing some of those thinking neutrally. And so it says that in order to benefit from the full window of creative solutions to any problem, the architectural concept must first be defined by the possible solution-neutral ways in which the initial problem can be addressed before layering all technology options that help to achieve the concept. Sounds like a lot of technical jargons. Let's break it down. Before I think about, oh, normally this is how people navigate their careers. Oh, this is how people navigate their financial goals. The question is, don't just dive into the options that you have seen or are available to you because what that does is sometimes it blinds you off from the creative options that are available to you. I just talked about your stakeholders and what value means to them. And so for your system to truly deliver value, your life to deliver value to all the stakeholders in the multiple dimensions based on the priority that you have assigned to them, then you need to think about how can I get this done? And because you now understand your stakeholder needs, you know what is at the core of those needs, then you're able to find creative solutions that can get it done. And so it's not uncommon for people to negotiate work arrangements because it would enable them to spend some time with their family and still be 100% productive at work. Now, somebody who's not thinking creatively would say, well, there's a standard nine to five or there's a standard work hour. There's nothing I can do different if I must excel at work. But if when you're thinking solution neutral, which is, okay, what's the core goal that I have in terms of my career? What's the core goal I have in terms of my health? And then you start to realize that by doing that, you start to see a range of creative solutions that help you meet these needs. And so when you ask about solution neutrality, it tells you if there was no special context to this, what is the true definition of the need that my system is trying to meet? And so, for example, I was thinking about developing my brand statement, you know, some years ago, and I realized that there were so many things I wanted to do. But when I zoomed in and, you know, focused on myself and thought about the skills that I brought to the table, I came up with Transformational Insights Translator as my brand, meaning that regardless of the various mediums of expression, the core link back is to able to translate key insights to people in a way that it can make them, you know, the light bulb come up for them and they can make decisions that transform their life. So again, for you, you need to think about your life system. Think neutrally, think creatively before you start to say, you know, dive in or zone in quickly on the actual options for which you're going to tackle that. And so when I think about the end of this part one, which is the first three principles, 
the questions I'll ask you is, do you understand the subparts of your life systems and the unique interactions that are driving the behaviors that are then emerging in your life? What are the unique value propositions of the combination that makes it better off than if you were looking at your life differently? Who are your key stakeholders? Do you know their true needs? They're very critical questions that you must answer. Have your stakeholder needs been optimally traded off? Do you keep them in front of you and optimize based on an understanding of where the trade-offs are? Do you understand the solution-neutral value proposition of your life system? And are you identifying creative options for the system that ensures that you're not being blindsided to the key options that make you more efficient? So you don't have to, it doesn't always have to be this or that. When you think solution neutral, you will find the and that makes you get the best of multiple dimensions of your life. So moving on to the second part, I'll talk about two other principles. So I've broken this into parts so that you can look at the key actions by parts. And so part two, I talk about principle four, which is around the principle of the right level of system decomposition and abstraction. Again, some technical words. I'm trying to keep with the spirit of the blog so that if you have read the blog and you're listening to this and you're wondering how the day relate, you can re- you can make that connection. But I'll sp- break this down by giving examples that are practical and focus specifically on the life system, not on a business, not on governance. And so what does principle four mean? It says to an To aid the analysis of a complex system, the system should be broken down to manageable slash comprehensible layers in a way that preserves the critical information of what drives the behavior of the system, you know, such as the key interactions between the system and across the system boundaries, while summarizing the details that are not relevant to the analysis on the focus. This act, you know, is like an art. It's not really a science. It's like zooming in and out of a microscope. And so there are times when you think about your life and you're like, okay, I need to do a deep dive into my career, for example. But at the same time, I don't want to lose sight of what's happening in my relationships or how those decisions interact. Now, if you were looking at every element of your relationship, at the same time, you're looking at your career. And at the same time, you're looking at like your physical health goals and financial goals. That sounds like a mess or, you know, this big maze that is difficult to navigate. And so to be able to do that, you have to focus in on, say, your career and do that analysis. Then the question is... We just said systems cannot be just um, analyzed by just looking at the parts alone. Now, system thinking, what system thinking does is that as you zoom into those parts, you keep the higher connections to the other parts. So you know how your career is impacting your relationship, high level. So you summarize the actual relationship details. But as you analyze your career and think about, oh, as I think about this job option or moving industries or taking on this certification... Am I keeping sight of how this impacts my health goals? Can I really manage it? Can I juggle this given all the things that are happening? Do my children need me at that point in time? And so that helps you to do a deep dive without losing sight of the overall system. This same thing applies to you looking at your financial goals. Oh, I want to invest XYZ. I want to take on these loans. Well, if you keep the interaction active and realize that there are commitments to your family, there's 
um, vacation time, there are things that need to happen. Then you make those decisions around your finances, making sure that you still have the flexibility that allows you to meet the other parts of your system. That is the power of system thinking. The ability to just zoom in and zoom out without losing the essence and meaning of that interaction is how that is different from the traditional analysis that people do without system thinking. Okay, so let's talk about principle five. Principle five talks about the principle of system interface value delivery. And so it says that a system boundary is the picture frame, you know, the boundary around your system. And as such, that true test of that boundary is the exchange of value, you know, to know how appropriate that boundary is, is the exchange of value that occurs between the system and every connection to the system. And so when you're defining what the boundary of your life is, what the boundary of your system is, you need to think about the interactions, you know, between your internal boundaries, your external boundaries to make sure that the connections allow for value that is consistent with the overall functionality that you're expecting from your life. Recall, we we started out with saying, what is my life? What are the things that are in there? What are my stakeholders? So as you then start to think about, okay, where do I draw the boundary of what is in scope for me and what is somebody else's to do? You need to use this principle of interface. And I'll talk about it a bit more. You know, it says one of the things, the, the, a quote that I like so much is from George Bernard Shaw. He says the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And so let, let me give an example. Sometimes your parents have really great goals for their children and they feel that, you know, I've put in all that effort. And then, you know, at the end of the day, maybe some issue happens and then the child starts to say things like, oh, you weren't there at this time when I needed you and you're wondering excuse me, I I did X, Y, Z, I came for this meeting, but unfortunately that communication or that exchange of value did not happen because how you have measured that value or the interface that was in place to facilitate that value did not deliver the intended value of that initial decision that you were making. And so a lot of times people suffer from mismatched interfaces, not because they don't have the potential to deliver that value, but the systems and the structures that they have created for that interface is not enabling them to do that. So for example, it could be language. Maybe the way in which you say to people does not pass the message across to them. And so you need to think about other interfaces or better ways to do that, to ensure that the value that is intended is crossing the boundary into, you know, delivering the value to the stakeholders of your system. You know, I I said in my blog that a superb system that cannot deliver the value that it was designed for because the connection to the end user was poorly defined delivers no value at that interface. And so when you think about the state of art equipment that you bought and because you didn't have the right socket in your house to plug it in, you cannot get the experience from that TV, then you do know that that interface has been wrongly designed. And so the value is not delivered at that interface. And so when you think about your personal life, ask yourself questions. What are my personal life boundaries? What's in scope for me? What is is within my scope? 
What is outside my scope? How do I define that boundary? How do I define the interface such that the exchanges that I want are happening in the way that they are designed to happen? So think about your health. Think about your decisions and your finances. Think about your stakeholders when you talk about your impact goals. And so you must design that understanding that the interface that you create between you and that connection to your system, to those stakeholders must ensure. So maybe it's the time that you set aside to talk to your children from time to time. Maybe your timing does not work. Maybe weekends are a better time or maybe morning every day must ensure that what you are intending is actually coming across to the recipient of that value. And we can engage some more in the comments, you know, to 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 do a deep dive on some aspect, you know, over the others to further break this down. All right. So when I think about the two principles that we've talked about in this part two, some of the things I would say is, do you know the key components of your life system? Again, like I asked in part one, do you understand how they work together and the interactions that enables the behaviors and outcomes of your system? Again, I asked that question in part one. And the reason you need to understand how they work together is because you need to de- design your interfaces appropriately to ensure that the intended value cross, uh, you know, from one dimension to another and to the intended stakeholders of your life system. Are you constantly evaluating the interfaces between your system? Are you able to do a zoom in and zoom out? Do you know the critical connections to enable you that do that analysis of your system? And lastly, how robust are your interfaces to cater for the systems and the environments in which your system operates? If you are English speaking in a Yoruba community, you have a language barrier. That interface is flat, it's faulty. And so if you're um, looking to curate content for a global audience, what's your interface? How How are you making that happen? Think about that and think about application to your own specific context. When you are able to answer so many of these, you know, affirmatively, then you're sure that your system is optimal because that means that all the work you put into being a better person, you're able to cross that boundary to deliver the value to the stakeholders. And with that, I come to the end of the first episode of this two-part episode series. I hope you've gotten actionable steps to take you on that trajectory to becoming better versions of yourself. As you explore, I wish you a transformational journey ahead. Catch you in the concluding episode. So you have been listening to Transformational Insights Demystified Podcast with Fumilola Asa. To stay plugged into these insightful conversations, remember to subscribe to this podcast so that you get notified as more engaging and insightful contents become available. Also, visit my website at www.fumilolaasa.com to engage with my blog and interact with other insightful contents on there. Lastly, you can follow me on social media on LinkedIn at Fumilola Asa, on Instagram at Fumi Asa, and on Twitter at Fumilola Asa. I look forward to connecting with you. Catch you in the next episode.